Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. G'day, Lindy. How are you doing today? Hey, Grant. I'm really, really good. Um, We've got a lot of exciting things coming up. As you know, next week we're down at Food Pro in Melbourne. You'll be joining us and um, we'll be having the podcast live from the show floor. That's the Food and Drink Business Podcast and that's PK and Sister Brand. So we're really excited about that. Um, And one of the companies that we'll be exhibiting at Food Pro is Tetra Pak. And today we're going to be speaking about sustainable packaging leadership with Boris Munster. He's the managing director for Tetra Pak in Oceania, a world-leading food processing and packaging solutions company. I'm sure everybody knows it's quite a ubiquitous name, Tetra Pak. Boris was appointed into the role in March 2023. So he's recently in the role here in Australia. He had served as vice president of contract manufacturing at Tetra Pak in the US and Canada before. He is now based in Melbourne and he brings more than 20 years of experience working alongside global brands to collaborate on ingredients, processing and packaging solutions. In his current role, he is focused on driving sustainable growth through collaboration with Tetra Pak customers to deliver product innovations into this market, while also advancing sustainability progress through Tetra Pak's contributions towards the local circular economy. And I'm sure we're going to be focusing on that very last bit a lot, Grant. Now, Boris began his career with Tetra Pak back in 2008 as retail manager and served as the commercial director in multiple locations across Europe from 2016 onwards, playing a pivotal role in driving business growth and fostering valuable partnerships. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the PKN Podcast, Boris. It's so good to have you here so soon into your new role. Thank you very much, Lindy and Grant. What an amazing introduction that is. (laughs) Thank you very much (laughs) for having me on the show. Great. Well, let's start at the beginning. You qualified with a bachelor's degree in business administration from Antwerp College in Belgium. What on earth? What good thing drew you to a career in the packaging industry? Yeah, well, Lindy, immediately after my studies, I did not end up in the packaging industry. I started uh, with the retailer Carrefour in Belgium um, and was responsible uh, for a lot of the remodelings uh, of the stores, uh, being part of the sales sales team and external team. Um, later on, I, I moved into the ingredient business, food ingredient business. Um, you see, I have a business administration background with a, with a major in marketing. I've never worked in marketing. I always wanted to go in sales because I believe you have to learn how to sell a product before you can market a product. But then in 2008, I was um, introduced to the company Tetra Pak, uh, where I still work today. And I was so driven by their purpose and so passionate about the purpose Tetra Pak has. And I'm still passionate about passionate about the purpose Tetra Pak has. It is about, uh, of course, packaging for food, uh, liquid food, but in the purpose of reducing food waste uh, and bringing sustainable solutions to our customers and to the consumers by not decreasing convenience. Um, so that that was something that drove me uh, into the packaging industry. And then knowing that they're the leader in processing packaging and the services business, um, it was it was a given that I would end up with uh, with Tetra Pak in 2008. 
Well, it sounds like you had just the right start because you were very hands-on in the retail space. And ultimately now you have to help your brand owner customers to understand how to sell their product using the front-facing and sustainable product um, that Tetra Pak has to offer. So you had a great start. But let's talk about your role in Australia. What are your goals in this new position and what do you hope to achieve stepping into this role? Yeah. So first of all, my goal uh, as as a managing director for Tetra Pak is, is working closely with our customers and make sure, like you said, that that I, we support them in the best way to bring innovation uh, and for them sustainable growth to their business. Um, and innovation is something cl- very close to my heart. I mean, and innovation doesn't have to always be more expensive to the to to our customers or to, to consumers. But innovation can be in different forms. I mean, we, we can bring innovations, of course, in different shapes of packaging. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, we've seen the transition in uh, around the world in, in plant-based uh, products, for example, from a, from a simple TBA uh, slim square package to a more advanced pack with a better opening, um, uh, better functionality in terms of pouring. So that's definitely something where we can look into it. I think the other thing where we can bring innovation to our customers is driving new business models. I think sometimes shaking up, shaking up uh, traditional business models and bringing bringing something innovative uh, into the market or into the category can can help to drive innovation both for our customers and consumers. One one example I'm going to give you is that post COVID we. Uh, we uh, we introduced uh, UHT milk, milk in the US, um, but not in the UHT shelf in the retail store, but we put it into the chilled shelf. So you have the benefits of the value chain uh, uh, by transporting it in, in ambient conditions, but then put it in the, on the shelf so that it has the same per, uh, shield perceptive or quality qualitative product ah. for the consumer. Yeah. Um, and then the last part, I think, is that... Um, there is a huge uh, tsunami of sustainable legislation coming our way, I believe. Uh, we see it already happening in Europe, and and I, I, I don't believe uh, Australia and New Zealand will wait long uh, to, to jump on that chip. Uh, and I think we have a strong play by bringing um, less, less fossil materials, more uh, renewable materials with our packaging material. Um, and working on on recycled materials because that's that's where we believe there is the the legislation will go. Um, next to that, we also um, by innovating in terms of technology through our, our through our post processing systems, we can make sure that our customers are consuming less energy, whether it's electricity or waste in their uh, water in their in their production. And we can help them. We have we have product development centers around the world that help con- our customers by formulating new products and innovative products. So that's definitely something we can bring to to our customers. And then I'm strongly convinced that we have the best services people uh, in the industry to serve our customers and help them in in their operational uh, models. But also there we can think in new new models like. Uh, produced pack model, for example, or, or qualitative good pack model, where we look into uh, to bring services to our to our uh, customers. And then, of course, the second part as, as uh, being a managing director for Tetra Pak here in, uh, in Australia and New Zealand is, is working closely with my colleagues. I mean, uh, I've, I've, uh, I have a role to play 
to lead them in the best way. And, and I strongly believe in a culture of, of diversity, equity and inclusion and make sure that we build a culture in Tetra Pak Oceania, which is, is built on respect and inclusiveness for all employees. Well, it sounds like you've got your work cut out for you, but it sounds like you have a very clear idea of what it is that you want to achieve. And uh, with the backing of, of the, an organization of the scale and scope of Tetra Pak um, and the resources that you have at your disposal, Boris, I'm pretty sure that um, you'll be able to achieve those goals. Now, one of the things I noticed recently you posted about on your LinkedIn was about Tetra Recart. And Tetra Recart is a product uh, that you have introduced in this market. I know there was, it rolled out for a brand called Brazella, I believe, um, in the, in soups and so on. Um, have you had much, I'm just curious from my point of view, have you had much more interest in it from other brands? Absolutely, yeah. And I, and unfortunately, I cannot uh, mention names, <laughs> but very soon you will see other brands entering the market. Um, and we we have we have seen continued interest into into that pack type. We strongly believe it's a it's an amazing alternative for the can, uh, or or the glass jars or or the pouches um, in, in the food segment. It brings um, so much add so much added value uh, in the value chain. It's very it's square. It's very easy tra to transport. It has the best result in the life cycle uh, assessment of, of emissions compared to those other pack types. So, yeah, I think we're only at the beginning of uh, of of the launch of that with the Rosella brand, and, and soon some other brands will come to the market. Now, um, it has obviously had gained some traction in other markets, which leads me to my quest next question. You've traveled the world for Tetra Pak, and you've worked in several parts of the business, as we said in your introduction. What are the regional differences within the business that you've noticed? So perhaps the way other parts of the business operate that might be different to Australia. And then also, how does the market that you're serving, um, so the Australian consumer and the Australian brand market, compare to other parts of the world? Yeah. So first of all, I mean, I'm very grateful to Tetra Pak to send me across several markets in, Euro in both in Europe and then later in the US and now to, to Oceania because it develops such a personal growth both for myself and my family and, and it removes cultural biases, which is I really would encourage everybody that has the opportunity in his career to, to work abroad to really do it. Um, but yeah, I mean... I mean, I, I had the luck to, to, to start off in Europe and I saw the rise of plant-based and I see, I see a lot of those, those innovations now coming into other markets like, like Oceania. Um, of course, there was first the rise of plant of uh, almonds and, and we now see the rise of oat. Um, that's definitely something, something that is driven by a lot of, uh, of European brands. Then I, then I moved to the US, uh, which I would say is a completely different uh, landscape because the US is a fast-paced market, and especially if you look at the contract manufacturing business, they have a lot of the of the large brands, FMCG brands that exist in in the US. They use contract manufacturers to bring their products to the market. Uh, they do that for several reasons. First of all, the speed to market is very key. I mean, being being faster than any of your competitors is so key uh, in in the US market. Secondly, it doesn't. Uh, uh, um, force you to invest in in high capex investments for to do a trial, uh, and thirdly, it it um, the U.S. market is very driven by by the FDA rules. So by using a contract manufacturer, you could you could avoid those uh, 
those obligations from an FDA perspective. But what we've lately have seen in um, in the US market is there is a lot of interesting capital entering the market and capital that is that is driven by incubators, uh, new food fermentation type of products, um, really uh, big investors that invest into food categories and that that drives innovation uh, at a rapid pace. So that was very interesting to see because it created it created new business models and ways of working with our customers. Uh, we created new in- incubators uh, with our customers. We created new partnerships with uh, with with our customers. So and that is very interesting to see how we can duplicate that maybe on a smaller scale here in mm. Oceania. But I'm I'm definitely open to do that with our customers. So explain to me, was so when you said you were part of Tetra Pak contract manufacturing there, so Tetra Pak was actually manufacturing and filling on behalf of brands? No, no, it's it's not built like that. I mean, no. I, re- I ran the contract manufacturing team and we took uh, responsibility over the customers that are contract manufacturers. So oh, we had okay, a, okay. Out of conflict of interest, we split a team that was the commercial team between a team that was taking care of the brands and a team that took care of the contract manufacturers. Okay, great. Yes, food fermentation is a huge growth area, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with plant-based here in Australia. Some of it more controversial than others, but um, definitely a space to watch and we are keeping our eyes peeled on that. Now, one of the things about Tetra Pak here in this market that has been a challenge until now has been the recyclability of the, the actual packaging. And I first met you at the uh, the official launch of SafeBoard Recycling Operation um, in New South Wales in February. And that was a big day. It was impressive to see uh, a, a really great um, end-to-end solution there for the conversion of beverage cartons into high-quality construction boards. That's um, the collaboration that you're doing with a company called SaveBoard. Can you give us an update on that project? I know it's scaled up a bit since then. And also, what are the next steps for Tetra Pak's broader recycling goals? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean… I agree with you, Lindy. I mean, it was an amazing day in February uh, at the launch of SafeBoard. It was an important milestone uh, for beverage cartons in general to to have the ability to be recycled. What we've seen that over the last couple of months is that SafeBoard gained some traction. Um, I, th- I hope you recently saw the launch of uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken that that's using SafeBoard materials into the one of their restaurants uh, very close to Sydney. So that is very exciting because if such a leading company like Kentucky Fried Chicken picks up uh, those solutions, then and I'm probably convinced some others will follow. Yeah. We're also working very closely with with SafeBoard to prepare the the opening of their Victoria plant late 2024. Um, so that is in the works. So, um, and very recently, we also invested in um, in an artificial-powered uh, robot to sort cartons from from the MRFs, um together with APR curbside, and and that is also a very next a very important next step for us, so that we. First, we had the recycling with SafeBoard. Now we we take care of the sorting by investing into artificial robots that can that can take uh, beverage cartons out of the out of the sorting uh, at the MRFs. And I think then then the next step in terms of uh, broader recycling is to work hard on on collection. 
we we see a we see a clear link that if there is an increased collection organized uh, that there is an increased recycling rate for for products so um what i strongly believe it is that we need support from the government here yeah we uh we we would really like to sit with them and make sure that cartons are part of the curbside collection or even we start developing a container deposit scheme or a container return scheme. So uh, because we can do a lot uh, in terms of recycling, we can set up a lot of uh, collaborations with SafeBoard. We can do, we can we can install a lot of uh, artificial robots to sort out cartons at the MRFs. But it's really we need to make sure that those cartons, those beverage cartons, that the consumer can put them in the in the bin. And they, they go to the MRFs. Um, so that is the, the work from the government and the support from the government we, we need to, to have in that aspect. I'm, I'm quite hopeful that um, under the current sort of regime and the way they're looking at bringing in mandates and regulation around, for the packaging industry for the first time, as you know, that was all announced in June, that there will be um, a drive to ensure that collection across all packaging materials that have this kind of value especially um, will, will come into place. Now, as far as I know, New South Wales, you can put your Tetra Pak carton into the curbside recycling bin. Is that not the case all around Australia? No, but we're we're closely working um, with governments to make sure that that we can that that may that that will happen because I as I said earlier we see a strong link between where there is a strong uh, collection in place there will be a, a strong recycling rates in place so as I said we're working close with several governments to make sure that that uh, we increase collection and that we are part of a curbside uh, recycling or even in the future could think about a container return scheme. Because with the smaller beverage cartons, um, like a little drink box, can yeah. those not go to container deposit scheme? They can't at the moment. They can. It's the, the, the larger packages. It's that the are. larger packages. <laughs> yeah, indeed, yeah. Indeed. Is the safe board type of recycling solution the, the one where you're going to focus your attention. So in other words, drive collection so that you have enough feedstock for SafeBoard being able to roll out across other states. Yeah, so it's it's at the moment, it's definitely our attention. And I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, to make SafeBoard uh, viable and, and we need to make sure that we have collection at scale and make sure that we have enough feedstock to them. Um, to make sure that they can they can provide enough products uh, to their to their customers, um, will they be the only source for recycling? I mean, we're open to discuss uh, other alternatives. I mean, if there is some some good alternative, we will definitely look into that. But for the moment, yes, Safeboard is definitely our our partner to uh, to make sure beverage cartons are recycled. What happens with Tetra Pak cartons in terms of recycling in other markets? Let's say in Europe, for example. Yeah, in Europe it de depends a lot from from country to country. Um, but a lot of the cartons are are collected through the recycling bins uh, uh, from from the consumers, and then go into the sorting. And then what happens a lot in in Europe is that a beverage carton goes through uh, washing and cleaning, and and then uh, the board is separated from the aluminium and the polyethylene. And all those materials have a second life. Uh, board is used as corrugated board or Issue, uh, tissues or, or paper towels 
Aluminium is used in building materials, so uh, strength materials for, for construction. And polyethylene has, has the second life, whether it's in, in, in uh, plastic materials or recycled content for plastic materials. Yeah. Gosh, so, I mean, it's quite a complex structure to try to pull apart <laughs> um, yeah. to recover those materials. So that, that would require a lot of investment in technology, which makes a, a solution like SafeBoard quite attractive because it, you don't have to make such an investment. Correct, yeah. But th the luck is, of course, that uh, for beverage cartons in Europe, the, the, there is the uh, infrastructure in place, so uh, it's it's easy it's easy to recycle beverage cartons, and that's why you see in Europe you have such a high levels of recycling uh, rates for beverage cartons. Um, and here, yeah, I mean we're very happy with the collaboration we have with Safeboard, um, and I think we 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 can we can go further by by investing in more of Safeboard facilities and work on the collection and make sure that they have the feedstock for. Uh, or more materials or more beverage cartons to be recycled. Now, I think the other point which is very important to us is, is the whole drive towards circular economy. If we are able as Tetra Pak to increase the use of paperboard in our packaging material in terms of levels of, of paperboard, then the feedstock of, uh, of beverage cartons become more interesting for recyclers. Uh, the, more, the more carton, the more, the, the more paperboard we use, the more interesting it becomes. Um, now we should also not forget if we're thinking in terms of, of circular, circular economy, I mean, recycling is only a small piece of the puzzle. Yes. 99% um, of the emissions of a, of a package is caused before it hits the shelf. It's the materials, it's, it's anything else. So we know that from a life cycle assessment, we have the best profile in terms of emissions compared to other pack types. Um, that is something uh, where we're very proud of, um, but we continue working and doing efforts to to reduce those emissions. Um, as I mentioned, first of all, I, we're working hard by increasing the share of carton uh, or board into our materials, um, reducing the fossil-based materials uh, for polyethylene, uh, maybe replace it by recycled contents, and also aluminium. I mean, we're working on a non-barrier solution where we don't need aluminium um, in, in the pack, have a have an aseptic carton, but uh, aseptic beverage carton, but don't contain aluminium. That would be that would be a massive step forward. Yeah, I understand that those trials are happening in Japan. I think I spoke to your colleague Jamie, and she mentioned that last time we had an interview. Yeah, well, yeah, more. I wouldn't say it's even a trial. They're on the shelf. Uh, they're yeah. on the shelf in uh, Japan. We also have them in the meantime on the shelf in France. So. Once we can scale up the production of that material, we will definitely also see that happening in uh, in Oceania. Yeah. So an often overlooked part of, of a beverage packaging is the closure itself. I know Tetra Pak has made quite a number of strides in um, getting plant-based or bio-based closures. Can you give me an update on where you're at with closures? And also, I know that obviously in European market, you need to ensure that those closures are tethered. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me where you're up to with that in, in Tetra Pak innovation? Absolutely. So the whole principle around plant-based material for our, for our closures is driven by the fact that um, let's use renewable materials. So we use sugar canes to make that plastic. 
and and we use the waste of sugarcane, so we don't use the the feedstock for food <laughs> in terms of sugarcane. So uh, in a way, we're we're doing a good job there because we're using the waste of sugarcane and and turn that into 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 something new. You specifically asked around um, around tethered caps, like we call them. So make sure that your cap doesn't get disconnected from um, from from the pack. Yes, it is uh, on full rollout in Europe at, as we speak. And very soon we will also have those tethered caps available uh, for the Australian uh, and, and New Zealand market. What we already see is that there are some products out there in the market that are imported from uh, Europe, and we see them already on the shelves uh, here. So you can definitely already spot some some products uh, with tethered caps. But yeah, we are ready to to roll it out also in in Oceania, and then by that making sure that the littering gets uh, reduced um, of caps uh, on packages. Um, so yeah, and I think the the other big um, big item uh, which is on our list is of course the plastic straws. We know that plastic straws will be banned from the first of January 2025 in the vast majority of the states. Um, so we have our paper straw firstly firstly ready. Um, we're te- testing with a number of customers to uh, to make sure that they are ready to to launch in the paper straw. But my vision is very very simple, and we have also seen that in Europe. We, we don't bring uh, convenience when we when we to our consumers when they when we offer them a paper straw. I mean it's uh, it's not the best solution. So also there we are looking in okay what are alternative drink from solutions that we can offer uh, to our to our customers and consumers that bring the same convenience that they had before with a plastic straw, but without the waste profile from 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 a littering point of view. So some sort of spout. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the technologies we're looking in. Um, a spout. It could be a. It could be a cap uh, as well. A mm-hmm. cap that mm-hmm. is attached to to the pack through a tethered cap. But yeah, I think we what we need to focus on with our customers is that not rushing into paper straws because we. I think we all have been drinking from a paper straw and it's it's not bringing. It doesn't the, last. <laughs> it doesn't bring the best convenience to the to the consumer. Um, we all have that experience from our cocktails. So, <laughs> yes. Okay, so now let's move on a little bit from the sustainability side of things. Um, although I know that that is all pervasive in everything that Tetra Pak does, but looking at your own your plans for expansion for into growth categories in this market in Oceania, what are the plans there? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I think we can support in reviving the dairy industry. I think we're mm-hmm. uh, we might see a, a large transformation of the dairy industry uh, coming up. I think uh, we will support the dairy with uh, with new technologies uh, from our processing and packaging point of view. I think we can also look into disrupting uh, business models in the dairy industry, like I mentioned earlier. Would would consumer be open to have uh, ambient or UHT milk being produced? Um, and then being uh, put on the on the shield shelf, uh, that's something we definitely need to explore and see if there is openness uh, at consumer there. We uh, we see a continued growth uh, for plant-based. Um, don't forget that uh, Oceania is is one of the top five producers for oat, for example. So I mean, Oceania could be a a, a massive a massive producer of oat-based products uh, for the future, which will be large part of the plant-based uh, segment uh, in the future. 
I strongly believe there is room for protein-enriched uh, products like uh, I've seen in the US. Um, pro products not uh, in the mindset that we serve it to bodybuilders, but to the act active consumer that is on the go. Um, so we've seen that that was a, a massive category in the US um, where a lot of people drink their, their protein-enriched drinks even mixed with plant-based beverages. Um, so I, I strongly believe with an active population like uh, we have in Australia and New Zealand, it is something that we can serve our consumers with. You mentioned food with, uh, with the Tetra Ricard package is definitely something um, that is uh, that is further going to expand beyond Rosella, beyond the Rosella brand. Um, and then we see that uh, very opportunistically, we see certain brands entering into the water category with us, like Waterbox, for example, a company out of out of Adelaide, um, who we who we started a partnership with, and and surprisingly, we also see a lot of traction for wine nowadays. I'm um, to ask, what about alcohol? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're working on that. Um, I can't wait to have our wine packages uh, taken to a picnic uh, or camping or whatever um, with a wine in carton or al other alcohol drinks in carton. Um, so yeah, we see a, we see traction there, and we definitely believe that that uh, can come to the Australian market as well, or or even New Zealand. Yeah. Well, that sounds like you've got your your finger in lots of pies, um, liquid and otherwise. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's that's a lot of scope for for interesting projects. Boris, and I'm looking forward to writing them up as they come to market. Do you have any final comments um, that you'd like to get out to the pack Australian packaging industry as we wrap up this podcast? Absolutely, yeah. So, um, yeah, Lindy, like I mentioned, I mean, passion uh, for innovation, passion for sustainability, um, really want to challenge uh, current business models and see how we can work with our customers to innovate. So this is more like an invit invitation to everybody out there that is has something to do with packing or, or packing food or packing liquid um, to open the discussion and see how we can bring innovation to our consumers uh, bring sustainable innovation to our to our customers uh, and see how we can make that happen well i'm very confident that you will make some really exciting projects come to market Boris. so thanks very much for joining us today and i look forward to continuing to report on tetra packs developments thank you very much lindy thank you very much grant well, thanks, Boris. Been great to have you with us. And thanks, Lindy. And of course, thanks to our audience for joining us today. Don't forget, if you enjoyed what you've heard, you can tell a colleague about us so they too can benefit from the show. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative discussion. But until then, have a great day. The PKN Podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.